Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Pure Hope with your host, Reverend Janice Hope Gorman. Hope is the name the angels gave Reverend Gorman. Help open planetary eyes. And that's what we hope to do on Pure Hope. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Pure Hope Show. This is a pre-recorded program that is happening on April 7th at 7 p.m. So we're having the lucky number seven happening here with us tonight. Our topic tonight is on the evidence of eternity or the afterlife. The name of a new released book by our guest tonight is called Evidence of Eternity by Mark Anthony, who is known as the psychic lawyer. Death, I believe, is a mystery to most of us, and our lack of clarity related to it is the cause of so much pain and so much misunderstanding and even very much suffering. So needless to say that we are going to be clearing some of that up so we can enjoy this opportunity to release misperceptions about death tonight. Many people do believe that they do not have any type of afterlife at all and instead tend to view death as the total and complete ending. And perhaps we will clear up that also tonight. The apparent separation that death brings is only due to our limitations within our own consciousness. Also, we have the opportunity to talk about the law perhaps of uh, of rebirth, the law of rebirth. Considerable debate often arises when we talk about the subject of reincarnation, but we are going to address that and many, many other topics. We are going to try to stay on topic tonight, having this opportunity to listen to this most interesting subject, and I will try my best to cover as much information and giving questions uh, on this very short hour with our guest tonight. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about Mr. Mark Anthony. Mark Anthony has exceptional credentials where he stands apart from other psychic mediums. And these are just a few things about our guest tonight. He is a world-renowned fourth, mind you, fourth-generational psychic medium who communicates with spirits. Mark is an Oxford-educated attorney. He is licensed to practice law in Florida, Washington, D.C., and before the United States Supreme Court. In England, he studied mediumship at the prestigious Arthur Finlay College for the Advancement of Psychic Science. Mark has been featured regularly and still is on ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox Television, and on major talk radio shows such as one of my favorite, Coast to Coast AM, Darkness Radio, Radio, and Cirrus XM. As a psychic medium, paranormal expert, and legal assistant in very high-profiled murder cases. He is a featured speaker at conventions and expos and spiritual organizations such as the Agri-KC, A-R-E, 
and universities, including Harvard, Brown, and Yale. We are so fortunate to have Mr. Mark Anthony. As you can see, he's a very busy man on our program tonight. So please help me welcome him on our program tonight. Hello, Mr. Mark Anthony. Hello, Reverend Janice. It's great to be here. I just was enamored by um, all the different programs that you have been on, and I celebrate that with you because sometimes the work that you do and I do and many other people do, we it's not accepted. So you're really um, a fourth runner out there trying to break through the system and uh, being on ABC, CBS, NBC. So I want to thank you for that. Thank you for that. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, you, you know, it's it's always um, it's always an honor to be on programs like this one that is very open-minded and predisposed towards what I do. It's a tremendous challenge to be on mainstream media I when bet. you get, yeah, especially when you get an anchor that's well, I don't believe in this, and yeah. <laughs> and uh, and and it's funny because. By the time I'm done talking to them, they're like, "Huh," <laughs> and, and and because it's very important for for those of us in the metaphysical world to to reassure people that God exists and an afterlife exists, and to do it in a credible fashion. Uh, you know, we can't come across. You know, um, I mean, you know, you should be who you are, but when you come across in a goofy carnival-like. Um, uh, you know, veneer, then it certainly tends to detract from your credibility. And what a lot of the news outlets um, like about me is because I'm an attorney and I've been, you know, they call me the, the bridge between the mainstream and the metaphysical, and, and that's what my new book, Evidence of Eternity, is bridging the gap between the spiritual and the scientific because I want to take the fear and the superstition out of spirit communication. And, and you know, we were talking about that uh, before the show, and that's something that I know that you do in your work is try to let people know that this isn't magic or hocus pocus, but this is based on sound scientific principles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Very much so. So my first question is, and perhaps you've received this over and over, what was it like to grow up in this long line of psychic people in your family? What was that like for you as a young boy and and now as a grown man? As a little little kid, uh, it was great because when I start talking to my invisible friends and and all that, my parents didn't treat me like I was some kind of weirdo because they could see them too, and they were very accepting and very understanding of what was going on with me. I remember when I started doing this, mom was like, "Oh no, not oh no, he's doing this." Is like, "Oh no, what is to come?" Because mm-hmm. it's never an easy road. As I got older, I found it rather inconvenient that my parents were psychic, you know, when I was in junior high and high school because they always seemed to know what was going on. And I think that all parents are are psychic to some extent, but, man, mine were like a laser beam zeroing right in. I'd get home and they'd be like, you know, you did this and you did that. I mean, they just knew what was going on. And... um, (laughs) But <laughs> so, so it could be it could be um, a, a very difficult because teenagers are always up to something. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily doing something negative. But you know, come on, teenagers are always up to something, and mom and dad always seem to be three steps ahead of me. Mhm, mhm. So then, um, you know, why did you pursue becoming a lawyer when you had all of this type of talent? 
it was that kind of spirit driven as well or actually i wanted to become a catholic priest i was raised in a a catholic uh, family sort of kind of um mom you know she she certainly uh, believed in jesus and mary and you know the the usual catholic lineup but she also gave credence to buddha and to krishna and uh, to to great spiritual leaders and teachers and she was a huge fan of edgar casey and she had gone and studied at the edgar casey association so it was a very very open uh in minded environment spiritually and i decided that I didn't want to go into the priesthood. I mean, I could give some lofty spiritual reason, but, you know, basically when I was a teenager and hit puberty, it's like, seriously? Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, And also, and from a spiritual standpoint, what I didn't like about the dogma is you can't believe this. You can't say this. You can't think this. You can't feel this. You can't do this. I don't believe that anything spiritual is controlling. And to be told that I can't think something or I can't believe something or I can't use my natural gift to me is anathema. It, it is completely contrary to my very being. So I, I just decided to go into law because uh, I liked it. I, I liked uh, the field of study and I believed that I could use my, my personal skill set and my intuition to greatest uh, benefit there. So did your fellow colleagues know about your um, mediumship work, or do they know that now, and was it scary to expose yourself with your gifts at all? All of the above. (laughs) All of the above. Um, Certainly when I first got out of law school, um, I was only 24, and I didn't talk about it, but I was initially a prosecutor, and so... As a prosecutor, one of my uh, jobs was to handle first appearances, and, and that's here in Florida. And when people get arrested, they have to be brought before a judge so the judge can determine if they should be set free or there should be a bond or, you know, if there's some type of bond hearing or whatever. And as a prosecutor, we have the uh, arrest reports. And before um, I would look at the arrest report, I'd look at someone and go, he's charged with a sex offense. That one's charged with drugs. This one's charged with domestic violence. And there was always another attorney with me, and I remember the, uh, they kept saying, how do you always know what they're charged with? Hmm. And it got to be kind of a game with us to, let's see if Mark can figure out what they're charged with, you know, what they, <laughs> and, and what, what they um, you know, are, are accused of. And um, I also started using my intuitive ability when I was selecting juries. <clears throat> and I kind of got around that. This guy sort of knows things that he shouldn't know. And then um, when when my book Never Letting Go came out, uh, my first book, of course, now the whole world knows, and I've been subjected to some pretty nasty ridicule, um, but I really couldn't care less um, because mm-hmm. I think Dr. Seuss said it best. Those who matter don't mind, and those who mind don't matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I um, one of Buddha's... Uh, favorite sayings of mine is that the moment you are unafraid of the crowd, you are no longer a sheep, that you become a lion. And I, and I always love that statement because I was always trying to work my way through that energy of fear coming into fearlessness. And when I started reading Buddha and he said that 
somehow that great roar arises in the heart, and that roar means freedom, freedom to be who you are, to say who you are, and and bring that out. So, um, so like I said before the program as well, wow, how great that you've been on ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox Television Network, and Coast to Coast to allow that lion to kind of come up out of you and um, and pay the way for other people out there as well to be who they are. What so. people need to realize is when you're on the path in life, and for me it's a spiritual path, once that door opens, there's no going back. Um, I mean, I guess I could, I could, you know, withdraw from from uh, the the public eye and and stop writing books and stop lecturing, but that's that's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be out here and I'm supposed to be discussing this. And for me, once that door flung open, it's not like I went through it gradually. It's like I got catapulted <laughs> through it. And uh, But I think that whatever career path you pick in life, when you know that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, um, you, you'll feel it in your heart. And um, that can be perverted by, by when you see people uh, joining that, that horrible filth in the Middle East that they call ISIS, um, oh, I'm doing what I should do. Excuse me, but hatred, bigotry, anger, um, violence, that's never the right path. That is never the right path. And I truly believe what Jesus said is that when you live by the sword, you shall surely perish by it. So you will know when you're on the right path because it is productive, it is creative, it is healing, it is helping other people, it brings joy to you, it brings relief and joy to other people. That's when you're on the right path. And it doesn't mean you have to be a psychic medium. Um, You could do this in, in any way. Being a good parent, my Lord, being a good parent is probably the greatest gift of all because you're the custodian of these little people that, and you're helping mold and shape them into the adults that they will become. Um, being a good auto mechanic, you know, let me tell you, that's a gift from God. Being mm-hmm. a good nurse, I mean, you know, anything that you can do that helps another person, um, that is truly a gift from God. And when that door is flung open and you're going through it and you feel that that sense of joy and peace in your heart, then you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about the other side and crossovers and spirits and and those and and your new book, um, Evidence of Eternity. We were talking a little bit about that. You have some science in there that meets spirituality to help people understand that there is an afterlife. Can you tell us just a little bit about that, then? What I've done is I've spent my entire life studying uh, psychic phenomenon and studying and observing what I do and how other mediums work. And I've also been studying frequency, uh, radio communications, human physiology, and theoretical physics. And so I combine all of that in Evidence of Eternity to explain spirit communication based on sound scientific principles, theoretical physics, human physiology, theology, and evidence. And this is designed to take the fear and the superstition out of spirit communication. This is a reality. This is something that is available to everyone. 
Not everyone is a medium, but everyone is capable of having a mediumistic experience. In other words, feeling a spirit around, perceiving that person, you know, receiving messages um, either in an auditory fashion or in dreams. And so I explain this in terms of how we all have the same physiological equipment that allows us to do this and on the basis of energy and frequency transfer. What I'm doing, uh, Reverend Janice, is I'm introducing new terms and concepts that have never been used before in the field of spirit communication. Uh, the first chapter is entitled Spiritual Situational Awareness, and that is learning to be sensitive to the spiritual influences around you. Then I talk about interdimensional communication. That's what I do as a medium. I, the term mediumship is Victorian. And a lot of the terminology, in fact, all of it pretty much, was developed in the Victorian era in the early um, 1850s and through you know the, the middle uh, 1800s up to around 1900 because that's when spiritualism kind of made a, a, its entry on the world stage and, and mediumship was begin, beginning to be discussed openly. And the, the understanding of uh, frequency and um, energetic transfers it was very, very uh, primitive by today's standards. So I've updated the understanding of it by introducing concepts such as frequency beacons, multiple meaning messages, the collective consciousness disconnect, interdimensional communication, spiritual situational awareness, interspecies uh, interdimensional communication, um, and the nature of consciousness, plus um, a new and revolutionary look at reincarnation. Um, and and I, and it's not like reading a a science textbook. I introduce my concepts, but they're all illustrated by excerpts from readings that I've conducted and a lot of other uh, sources and experiences that I've had. Hmm. Hmm. So lots of people ask me, Mark, about you know, am I turned on constantly? You know, is for you is there a turn on, turn off button? Or are you? Do yes. you believe that you're in constant contact with these other dimensions or crossovers? I believe that it's possible for them to, to kind of smack me in the head and say, "Hey, Mark." <laughs> you know, okay. uh, I believe that that's possible, but I'm not on all the time because my brain needs a rest. I need a rest. Right. Um, it, it's it's like um, comedians that I've met when you meet them on an interpersonal level and they're just you know low key. And people expect comedians to be on all the time, and they're not. And so it's also, I think, it degrades the quality of the contact if you're open 24-7, because then anything's wandering in and, and all this. And when you discipline yourself to say to the spirit realm, to the, the other dimension, I'm doing this now, then you're opening up, and they're like, okay, we'll, we'll start communicating with you. And then, all right, I'm not doing this now. I think it enhances the quality of the contact when you when you approach it like that. Mm-hmm. I, I I agree with you. It kind of takes the um, because I've talked to other mediums and they would tell me, you know, they're at a social event and they walk up to someone and they say that there's somebody in back of you. I'd like to introduce that person or talk about that person. And for me, I've never had that experience because I've kind of got a spiritual contract that I don't do this work lightly. 
I take it very serious as I um, do my work. So I was wondering how it worked for you as well. So I'm glad you brought that up because um, mediums that go up and fling a reading at somebody, yep. first off, that that's inappropriate because if you're at a party, the person that is at that party is there because he or she is socializing, not because they want to make contact with a deceased loved one. Secondly, um, and not only is it inappropriate, I believe it's unethical and invasive. And third, is it really about delivering the message for that person, or is it, look at me, I have superpowers. Right. And I think that it becomes an ego thing. Look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm so spiritual. I know this. And and I get that from a lot of young mediums. Like, oh, my God, I was at the store, and I went up to this lady and I told her that her husband was crying, and she almost, like, passed out. And it's like, well, you know, aren't you glad that you didn't give her a heart attack so that now she is joining her husband on the other side? Um, spirit communication must be approached, approached with reverence um, and I, I think with protocol and dignity and just going and imposing a reading upon somebody. And we see this in television shows, but what people have to realize in these TV shows where somebody walks in and goes, hi, I'm a medium, let me throw a reading at you, that when you get eight different camera angles with perfect makeup, perfect lighting, and perfect sound, um, and everybody in that restaurant or wherever you know whose face is, is on the on camera has to sign a release granting permission that it takes about oh, and there's a 20 person camera crew with the medium who's going in there uh you got the sound people the lighting people you got the script people you've got you know the it, it, there's so much to it that it takes about 8 hours to film that 90 second clip because after they film for eight hours, then they have to edit it and make sure that they don't see the microphones in there and they're getting glare and, and people aren't sweating and their makeup's perfect. So that type of reality television is not reality. It's right. scripted. And mm-hmm. so what it does is it creates unrealistic expectations and a false sense of what the reality of spirit communication really is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, the jury is still out when I watch some of this on television because I do see it, for me, I guess, uh, because my I was also raised Roman Catholic and I, I studied many, many different religions and I just always wanted to approach this on the divinity level. And so sometimes when I do see certain either things on television or if I'm at with other mediums and they do kind of approach it in a, like you said, an unethical, inhonorable way, then I think, hmm, what really is that all about? And is this really for the highest good and the highest good of all? So for, for me, the jury is still out when I watch things on television and how it's approached. Well, they're entertaining. The, the, right. They're entertaining, but... but um but people have to realize that if it takes eight hours to film that, it's not a spontaneous reading. It's a scripted uh, scripted scenario. Right. Um, and I've been on television a lot. And I can tell you right now that you don't get a perfect, you know, 45 to 90 second reading with perfect makeup, perfect lighting, perfect sound, and eight different camera angles in a one-minute shoot. <laughs> that, right. does, that does not happen, period. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Well, where do you stand on reincarnation? 
Like, what would you like to tell our, our audience tonight about reincarnation? Is that addressed in your book? Absolutely. Reincarnation is addressed in my book, Evidence of Eternity, which, um, uh, since its release over over a month now, um, is it has been number one on Amazon's reincarnation bestseller list. And it, reincarnation is an extremely important concept. There is no hell. And as Catholic, you know, as a Catholic, I was raised to believe in the archetypical hell with, you know, the the winged, uh, uh, creepy guy running around with a pitchfork sticking you, and you're burning in fire and all that. And that that's medieval, you know, superstitious nonsense. Um, why would God create a negative entity to fight with for all of eternity and then to vanquish like a Viking hero in some Nordic myth? And that's exactly yeah. what that is, because that concept comes from Nordic mythology of the struggle between the negative god Loki and the uh, the gods of the Valkyries, and you know from from Valhalla. I mean, excuse me, the gods from Valhalla, and um, and and other other sources um, um, in in the Middle East um, about the eternal struggle between light and dark. So a lot of that is is medieval nonsense. However, there is justice and balance in the universe, and while there may not be hell, there certainly is reincarnation. And it's not as far-fetched as you might think. If you look at every major religion, they all teach that the body pre-exists the soul. Excuse me, the soul pre-exists the body, comes into the body, and when the body no longer functions, the soul goes on. It's the laws of physics teach us that energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. So we're seeing parallels now between energetic transfers and, and what happens with our soul, our consciousness, which is pure energy. And in all the near-death experience studies conducted since the 1970s, the vast, vast majority of people who die or go into the light, their consciousness separates from their body, and then they, they talk about encountering deceased loved ones, and they, they see this beautiful light filled with love and wisdom and, and, and just this incredible intelligence. The near-death experience people all are insistent that reincarnation is real um, and that there, there is no hell, so we come through a succession of lifetimes. I go into this in great detail in Evidence of Eternity. In fact, I present two case studies, um, one of which was the most heavily documented um, study of reincarnation, case of reincarnation in, in the modern era. And um, it is really nice to see uh, case studies, science, and what spirits have communicated to me in readings about reincarnation. So when you ask them, is there hell, they're all like, no, <laughs> there's no hell, but there is reincarnation. So no matter what you do, even the, the you know, and I'm a criminal defense lawyer and I've been a prosecutor uh, and I've seen some real slimy people uh, slither their way through the system and seem like they, they, um, they get away with the most heinous uh, acts and deeds and it seems like there's no repercussions. Let me tell you something, there is. Everything you do will come back on you, either on this side or the other side or on this side in a future existence. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, do you, you know, do you believe in demonic possession and haunted locations? And what is that then? Is that the 
soul or the spirit of the soul kind of haunting a place? Well, that's a rather loaded question. <laughs> uh, let's, let's, <laughs> I love it. Let's take it one step at a time. Let's go with demonic okay. possession. I okay. do not believe in demonic possession, period. Okay. And I know that I depart with a lot of mediums there, and I've been on uh, paranormal investigations. In fact, in my book, Evidence of Eternity, I describe, I was actually a uh, witness to an exorcism which occurred when I was in the Amazon, and it was performed by a witch doctor. And if you want to find out what happens, you need to read the book because um, I'm not going to give away that story because it's, right. it's an, it was an incredible experience, one of the most incredible experiences of my life. Um, but I believe that there's one soul per customer. I do not believe that the devil's like, oh, let's get this person. However, I also believe that there are a multitude of non-human intelligent species, if you will, on the other side, or in this, this spirit realm. And I also believe that there are different types of mediums. I'm what's known as a mental medium because I receive all of my information in a in a mental format. I see it in my mind's eye, or I actually see the, you know people standing in the room around me, and I receive uh, auditory messages and physical sensations, which are transmitted to me via uh, frequency uh, emissions. However, there are... Um, types of mediums known as, in Britain we call them trance mediums, in the U.S. we call them channelers. For example, Edgar Cayce is the perfect example of a trance medium. Edgar Cayce was referred to as the sleeping prophet, and what he would do is he would go into a trance-like state, and then he would start um, conveying information. He conveyed a a huge amount of medical information, cures and and treatments for people, miraculous cures. Uh, he would transfer other information about history and about the nature of God. And he's different than the type of medium or psychic that you or I am, Reverend Janice, because we are mental mediums where a third party, meaning a spirit, is transmitting information to us. Whereas with a trance medium, what happens is that the person's consciousness kind of gets pushed to the side, if you will, and a third party comes and temporarily takes use of their body. And in the case of um, Edgar Cayce, it seems like it was several spirits. Now, by definition, I guess if you looked in a Catholic encyclopedia about possession, that might be the definition of possession. But I don't believe in a demonic entity taking over a person's body, but I believe that there's a lot of channelers or transmediums out there who don't know how to prevent this, to shield this, or don't know how to control their ability, and so opportunistic spirits can pop in and, and, and come through them. But as far as them being the possession of the devil, I think that, too, is wallowing in medieval uh, superstitious nonsense. So I, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, it does, because I agree with you, the whole demonic uh, um, possession. I never, I mean, I've been doing this for 26 years, and I think I was telling Bob the mystic once that for me, and maybe this is just not my work, is that I've never had this icky, gooey experience with with lower, darker entities. I've never, I've even asked and requested, you know, if there is such a thing as hell, take me there. Let me see that reality. And I've never been shown that reality. I've worked with a lot of people who've um, 
have loved ones who committed suicide, and of course they were very concerned that their loved ones would go to a place that um, was not very good. And I've never felt that. I've never seen. I mean, I've never experienced that. And I've always thought, huh, why? Why is that? And maybe I just thought maybe that's not my lane. I don't know, but. So what do you think happens to people who commit suicide? There's no one-size-fits-all for suicide. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but suicide is such a a devastating act. And in, in Evidence of Eternity, I explain how it affects everyone, including me. And I talk about how my best friend um, that I had known since I was 11 years old committed suicide. And, and how he came through to me, um, and still does. <laughs> um, but nobody goes to hell for that. Now, by saying this, and, and in every show that, that I'm on where I'm asked about suicide, for the listeners who may have somebody close to you who is suicidal, or for the listeners who who may be contemplating suicide, please do not do it. And please realize that you are not alone. Don't confront this alone. Don't confront the person who's suicidal alone. If you're suicidal, you are not alone. There are the suicide hotlines. All you got to do is Google them, look them up in the, in, the, on, in the phone book. There are trained professionals who are caring and compassionate and are there to help you 24-7. And, and always always get a second, a third, and a fourth, and fifth, and a tenth opinion before you, you think about this because there is a way through just about everything. But no parent would condemn their child, no matter what the child did, to a lifetime of suffering and horror. So God, we all are the children of God. No God, our God, will not condemn us to an eternity of suffering. I would agree totally, completely. So, um, does your book cover, or do your um, when you do your mediumship and crossover? I think lots of our listeners again are a bit either confused or bewildered or interested in when it comes to things such as the Pleading Council, the Galactic Federation, the Spiritual Hierarchy, Masters, Angels, that I think sometimes they are confused and about all of this, these different levels. So where do you stand on that with the Pleading Councils and the Galactics and Spiritual Hierarchy? I, I don't really buy into all of that. And I know that, once again, I'm departing from most of the mediums. I believe that there are supernatural teachers, there are angels, there are avatars, there are great teachers in spirit which um, will connect with us and connect with the spirits that are, are associated with us. But as far as there being like a probation review council or a parole board or, or you know, some type of advisory council, I don't really, really um, necessarily agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. On the other hand, I will keep an open mind. Okay, that's a that's a good um, that's a good thing because I I 
sometimes I'm out on the jury of that as well. I just have so many different types of speakers. And again, working with my clients, sometimes I think they find that interesting, bewildering, and who am I supposed to listen to, or what am I supposed to listen to? And well, I, you sh- as as well, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. And, and you're absolutely okay. right about it. Who shows to um, evidence of attorney is based on evidence. Yeah. And it's okay. nice to believe in all those things, but what's the evidence to back it up? Okay. Correct. Oh, because this medium said so. And and I'm sure those people say, oh, well, look at his book. That's what he says. But everything that I talk about is based on facts, evidence, or a theory that at some point will be proven through science, proven or disproven. I mean, Stephen Hawking, Hawking uh, one of her first major discoveries was a quantum singularity and then later in life he was trying to create a mathematical or discover a mathematical equation to disprove the quantum singularity okay but you know i hear people oh the akashic records there's this there's that aliens made the pyramids yada 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 and it's like okay so where where are the facts where are the evidence and that's where the field that we're in with spirit communication has come under the influence of so much superstitious, you know, silliness um, that and many times it can look absolutely ridiculous. Now, I'm Correct. keeping an open mind because the, the proof for these councils and the Palladians and, and all this very well may be there, and maybe we haven't seen it yet, but everything that I deal with in, in my book, Evidence of Eternity, is based on science, facts, evidence, um, and and uh, quantum physics. Hmm. Hmm. Well, tell me about that mysterious psychic gland. I love that, those three words together when I was reading uh, a bit about you, that there is within us all a mysterious psychic gland. What is that and how does that work? 5,000 years ago, the Hindus identified the chakras, which are seven major en- energy centers throughout the body. There's actually several more, but the, the, the main ones. And everyone that's familiar with chakras or yoga is aware of the third eye, which is in the center of your forehead. Fascinating, we have seven endocrine glands in our body, which just happen to line up with the location of the chakras. So apparently the ancient Hindus knew something. <laughs> and the the third eye chakra, if you go to the center of your forehead and then go into your brain, maybe about four inches or so, four to five inches behind behind the center of your forehead, is the pineal gland. And the pineal gland is about the size of a pea, it has magnetite and calcite crystals in it. Therefore, it, it generates an electromagnetic field. It processes our ability to see light. What is every great religious and spiritual leader since the time of Krishna, through Buddha, through Jesus, through Muhammad, through St. Francis, through Yogananda, Pope Francis, through Mother Teresa, has described God as the light. Native American spirituality, Japanese Shintoism, all describes the light, the light above. And fascinating that the gland which generates generates our brainwave frequency, which enables us to tune into the higher frequencies of the other side, also governs our perception of of light. So it appears that we have a highly sophisticated radio station in our heads 
um, that enables us to bring our brainwave frequency up. Spirits are able to see that. They bring theirs down. You get a frequency match in their spirit communication. And everybody that has a brain has a pineal gland. And perhaps some people's you know, is more attuned or more sensitive to the frequencies of the other side than others. So some people are better at psychic and mediumistic abilities than some people. And then there's some people who are better auto mechanics or better athletes or better musicians than others. You know, we're all different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so do you believe that when people activate that or do meditation on that, that that activates the gland or the pineal gland and that people are able to kind of raise their antennas to receive spirit communication? Most certainly. Most certainly. Uh, Meditation and prayer are ways to quiet the mind to enable the pineal gland to do its thing. Mm -hmm. So of all of the... Do you ever get readings? I always like to ask that for people who give readings. Do you ever get readings yourself? I, I do. Um, it's been a while since uh, since I've received one. Um, what I what I find annoying is people that I don't know will contact me on Facebook or email me with the impressions that they get about me, and they're with with no exceptions. They're always so far off base. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I look at these, I show, you know, my friends and we're looking at it, go, good lord, where are they coming up with this nonsense? You know, and that's all about if you don't know somebody and they didn't ask for a reading, I don't care how psychic you think you are, do not fling a reading at them. Um yeah. if if I want a reading, I'll go to somebody that I know who's a good psychic or a good medium uh to get one. Um uh but I think people that do that I, I'm not really sure what their motivation is, but I've never felt it necessary to just throw a reading at somebody because it's very invasive. And especially when you're 100% wrong, it can be very offensive. Yes, yes. Well, I know that um, you know psychic fairs and expos, uh, we have a couple here in Mankato. I usually get phone calls from people who've had readings lots of times in those places. I don't attend those. I don't go to those. And the only reason why is because I have seen so many people come back. And, for instance, one gentleman called me and said uh, he was also raised Catholic. And he said that um, he went to a reader. The reader told him that his mother has been stuck in the uh, energetic field and has been lost, and she goes, well, my God, my mother's been dead for 36 years. So you're telling me she's kind of been stuck in this energetic field and lost for 36 years? And the reader told him yes. And he was very, very, very distraught. And so sometimes I think people can get, just like we get static on a radio, that I think we can get static uh, information that comes forth. So what do you feel about expos and and I, I don't readers. have a problem with those. I, I okay. think I think the expos are good because um it's good to get everybody out in force and and uh you know have people see that there are many different types of psychics and there's different types of mediums. Um I have a real problem with with some obviously uh phony psychic telling somebody that his mother is stuck in an energetic field for 36 years 
And I would venture to say, I'll bet that guy said, and if you pay me more money, I can help her get unstuck. And right. that's where people have to really, really, really be careful. When a psychic or a medium tells you that there's a curse on you, a curse on your family, or the soul of a loved one is imperiled, and the only way to save them is if you keep giving this psychic or medium more money so that it can free them from this or dispel the curse, turn and run. That is not a psychic or a medium. That is a con artist who is preying upon people who are emotionally vulnerable. Nothing spiritual is controlling. A legitimate psychic and media or medium will charge you for his or her time, but will not, not try to coerce you or persuade you or guilt trip you or, or intimidate you into coming back repeatedly. If somebody tells you, you've got to come to me three times a week so I can save the soul of your son, then that person is, is a charlatan and you should stay away from that. Um, Legitimate mediums will tell you maybe one reading is all you need. If you want another one, wait six months, a year, whatever. Um, it's up to you. But when someone tries to ensnare you, that is nothing more than a scam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, who do you who do you see as kind of your hero in like Edgar Casey? Do you have a certain hero uh, or heroine that? has done this work for a very long time that you've read about, like Alice Bailey or Edgar Cayce? Well, uh, certainly Edgar Cayce. Um, I also think Helen Duncan, who was yes. Winston Churchill's um, personal medium. Um, what she went through, plus being put on trial um, for witchcraft during World War II because of, of uh, something that she saw and something that she projected. Um, I, I look at them as great heroes because of what they had to put up with. Um, you know, Helen Duncan used to advise Prime Minister Winston Churchill, and Edgar Casey used to advise President Woodrow Wilson. So it's really fascinating that so many of our political and world leaders have been advised by psychics and mediums. Um, Ronald Reagan we all know that uh, his wife Nancy consulted with Joan Quigley, the astrologer, and arguably the most influential of of presidential psychic advisors was Jean Dixon. The first president that she advised was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. She also advised um, John F. Kennedy, his brother Bobby, and Richard Nixon through his secretary, Rosemary Woods. So it's really fascinating when you see that both the Republicans and the Democrats, you know, they want to they wanna get a, you know, some, some, the inside scoop from a psychic and a medium. Uh, Jean Houston advised Hillary Clinton when she was first lady. Um, Bill Clinton also had a psychic advisor. Of course, they denied it because Clintons are very good at denying things. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, I don't mean to take a shot at the Clintons, but but you know when you read what what Gene Houston said, and I've seen the the newspaper article where it came out about how Gene Houston was helping Hillary Clinton develop her psychic abilities, and the Clintons blatantly denied this. Perhaps the Clintons were correct, or perhaps Gene Houston was correct. You know, so we have to leave that up to to uh, the individual to decide. But world leaders for thousands of years have been looking to psychics and mediums for guidance and advice. And um, 
think a lot of them are just just heroic people. I, f- I find them fascinating. It's hard n- not to talk about Nostradamus when you when you discuss psychic history. And the problem with Nostradamus is that uh, he lived in oh gosh, I guess she would say it really wasn't quite medieval France, but it was sort of the end of the Middle Ages. Um he wrote in these quatrains that that are very difficult to decipher, and a lot of people say that after the fact, you know, oh yeah, that that's what he meant. Um, but he seems to have actually named Napoleon. He called him Napoleonus, close enough. And he also mm-hmm. referred to Hiss, Hitler, all right, uh, uh, Hitler, Hitler, and uh, he talked about um, talked about those those uh, two two. Uh, he called them the the first two of the three antichrists. And apparently the third Antichrist, if you can believe um, what people are saying about his view of the future, would be a Middle Eastern um, uh, figure. So, so I always found Nostradamus uh, to be very, very fascinating. But in the more current era, um, certainly Edgar Cayce. Mm-hmm. Yes, mine as well. So what is a paranormal expert? As a paranormal expert... Um, I am familiar with things like hauntings and possessions, um, motivations of people that that say, oh, you know, the the, the demonic possession defense, um, talking about life after death and reincarnation, the nature of the other side. And as a paranormal expert, what I try to convey is that the paranormal is actually normal. Para means outside of the para, you know, so paranormal means outside of the normal. But the fact is that spirit communication is not paranormal. It's very normal. And when we begin to understand it and take the boogeyman aspect out of it, um, you find that this is something that that is, is available to everyone. I mean, when I get up in front of, you know, hundreds of people and say, show of hands, everyone who's felt the deceased loved ones near them, pretty much everybody raises their hand. It's funny, the women all raise their hand, the men are looking around like, well, I, I want to raise my hand, but people think, you know, men men are always so, <laughs> we're, uh-huh. you, know, we're, you know, we're always reluctant because if you do that, then you're admitting that you rely upon your emotions and ergo that is somehow a bad thing, which it is not. Um, but um, it, it part of my, my job as a paranormal expert on shows like Coast to Coast and Darkness Radio and, and shows like this and, and a host of others is whenever there's a strange and unexplainable phenomenon and they want to get both the the psychic or the the um the um unusual perspective coupled with the mainstream objective uh, and analysis of it, that's where they bring me in. Do you have other siblings that have this type of expertise that you have, you know, the psychic uh, abilities that I you have? have. I have two siblings, a brother and a sister, and they both um, have very psychic abilities. I'm the medium, um, but okay. they're very good at anticipating future events and and picking up on the emotions of people around them. Hmm. And do they do this type of work as well that you do, or? No, no, they don't. Um, um, my brother, my brother, uh, and I write about him in my book. He's like, he goes, I can't believe you're writing about me, because <laughs> you know, he's sort of like a, a real rugged, outdoorsy guy. He's a great guy, loving the pieces. Um, but uh, he's learned in life to rely upon his instinct and his feelings, and it has uh, has gotten him out of a lot of really uh, difficult situations. 
Mm-hmm. You talked a little bit too about instincts to use your instincts for success. Do you want to elaborate a little bit about that? I, I, I'm not getting quite the words right, but I think when I was reading the introduction about you that your assistant sent me, that you talked about your instincts were the key to success. Intuition, intuition, intuition as the key yes. to your success. Um, yeah, it's 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 one of the uh, the lectures I give a four step process in in recognizing that you have the ability accepting it um accepting it understanding it understanding and using it and then developing and enhancing it because in life and in business not everything is black letter law not everything is scripted out for us and sometimes we have to go on our intuition and trust our feelings and in you talk to any stockbroker i mean you can only get so much empirical data to buy or sell you have to go on intuition um as an attorney if i didn't trust my intuition you know it can be disastrous in trial and sometimes trusting your intuition goes against what seems to be the logical course. But what I tell people is every time you've gone against a gut feeling, have you A, been happy you did it, or B, regretted it? And probably 99% of the people always regret it. Every uh, soldier, Marine, every guy in the military uh, and, and, and police officer, male and female that I have ever known, told me that if they did not trust their gut instinct, they'd be dead. And they said that it's a really weird thing because there was a logical reason not to do it, but I did it anyway. Or logic told me, take do this, but I didn't do it because something told me and it saved my life. And that is psychic ability. So recognizing that and, and trusting your feelings can really get you very far in life and in business. Are you hearing anything, Mark, about the planet today when you do your mediumship work or you get your psychic communication? Are you hearing anything about the planet today and the changes that we're facing right now and what we are to do at all? I really think and feel that traditional organized religions are in a transformative state and crumbling and declining and dying empires always resort to violence in order to hang on to what they've got. And I think um, we're seeing this with the advent of the Arab Spring. Um, unfortunately, you know, the filth, and I refer to it as the filth known as ISIS, um, is the very epitome of everything that is wrong with organized and fanatical religion. In this country, we're seeing the evangelical movement um, lashing out, saying it's okay to discriminate against gay people, and um, it should be a state's rights issue. So what you're telling me is it should be okay to treat African Americans as second-class citizens, and that should be left up to the states? Excuse me, but we're supposed to be all equal under the law in, in the United States, and you can't treat a group of people that you don't like. Um, and, and I uh, saw a quote from a minister who said, you know that you've created God in your own image when God hates the same people you do. <laughs> okay, So what I'm seeing is that these evangelicals are still very powerful. These in, insane fanatical Muslims are still very powerful. 
but they're lashing out and increasing their oppression and their intolerance because they're losing their grip. A lot of people are turning away from these things because they're tired of being told you're guilty, you're evil, you're wrong, you're a sinner, you're bad, and these people want to connect with God. They want to find a spiritual center. They want to feel good about themselves, not be told bad, 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 bad. It's as if religions have uh, um, created fear and guilt and problems and impose that upon people and say, now here's the solution. You can get to heaven, but you have to get to it through us, our dogma, our clerics, and by the way, you have to give us money to do it. And so... Yeah. And, 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 you know, Reverend Janice, I'm not saying religion is a bad thing. Where I have a problem with religion is when people use a belief system like Islam or Christianity or any other religion to justify anger, bigotry, hatred, or violence. Then it is no longer about God. What it is about is the human ego and a, a person or a group of people's financial, political and personal agendas. God is is all about peace and love, acceptance and understanding. Jesus never said, "Well, those people are bad, so kill and persecute them." Those people, remember the when the Roman centurion came to Jesus and said, "I am not worthy to have you in my house, but a servant who is like a son to me is dying." And Jesus was ready to come to his house. He said, "But I'm not worthy." And Jesus said, your your faith has healed him. He is healed. Jesus didn't say, well, you're a filthy Roman polytheistic pagan. Get away from me. Never said right. that. Mm-hmm. Never said that. Mm-hmm. Well, what's one last thing that you would like to leave with all of our audience about life after death and about your book, Evidence of the Afterlife? Evidence of Eternity. Um, of eternity. Evidence of Eternity. Yeah. Um, not even death can kill love. Huh. And that who and what we are lives on into eternity. And my book, Evidence of Eternity, is about communicating with spirits for proof of the afterlife. And God exists, heaven exists, our spirit is an immortal living being. We can communicate with spirits. It's nothing to be afraid of. It is a gift from God. And when it is our time to pass from this existence and transition to the other side, we will be reunited with our loved ones in the light that is God. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you. And where can they get this book, Evidence of Eternity? Evidence of Eternity is on sale worldwide at all fine bookstores. I understand it's even on sale at the Barnes & Noble in Singapore. (laughs) Um, Wow. And so, yeah, you can get it at Barnes Noble, Books a Million, all independent uh, bookstores. So, you know, hey, let's patronize our mom and pop stores and get it on Amazon.com, Walmart.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and from the publisher Llewellyn.com. And you know, Reverend Janice, I think I've actually arrived because I understand it's also on sale on eBay. Wow, yes, you have arrived, you have arrived. (laughs) And I I think what has happened is this is certainly proof that your book is so, uh, again, people are thirsty for truth. People are thirsty for evidence of eternity and not just hearsay. And I believe that you have the right mix within this book that can bring them into a deeper understanding of the afterlife. So 
um, that will help lawyers and doctors. I mean, my husband's a Ph.D., and so he's kind of a one plus one equals two kind of guy. So um, I believe that that's the reason why this book is such a hit, just because it helps those people understand, uh, like you said, the scientific reason why there is evidence of eternity after we leave this planet, after we leave this planet. So I so much want to thank you, Mark, for being here on our show tonight. It's been so very interesting, and I uh, know that you're a very busy man, and so I thank you for this opportunity to talk to you tonight. Thank you, and if anyone wants to find out um, about getting a reading with me or my uh, tour schedule, go to my website, evidenceofeternity.com and uh, my calendar of events or book a reading, and it's the same title as my book, Evidence of Eternity. Thank you, Reverend Janice, and to all your listeners, may God bless you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mark. The other website that I would like to direct you to, uh, Mark has a website called www. No, it's, it's all uh, evidence, all evidenceofeternity.com. That, that's the oh, domain okay. name. Everything, go, everything okay. goes there. Yeah, so that, okay. that's why I did Thank that, you. to keep it easy for everyone, including myself, evidenceofeternity.com. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you for putting that through. We will also put that on our website and correct that on our website and um, put that out there. I would tell all of you that tonight was an absolute unique opportunity to talk to someone who is well-rounded, very grounded, very rooted, and yet smart, compelling, and passionate, as you have all heard him. And I would ask you to all go out and buy his book, Evidence of Eternity. That is now his new released book. And uh, help everyone to understand what is there beyond this life. So I thank you all for showing up tonight. I thank my wonderful um, audience for tuning in. And as always, I tell you that we have many, many programs that are archived waiting for you to listen to. We have the opportunity to get people listening, listening, listening. So if you have liked this program, if you have found this program informative, then I would ask you to put it on your Facebook and to tell people to listen to this or tell them to go out to buy this wonderful book um, that we have for you to read. So again, thank you for joining me, and please tune in next month. We will have Jean Galvin Anderson on our program, and she will be talking about the essential living oils and how to use them in your life. So until next time, I bid you fair do and farewell. Namaste, namaste, namaste. Thanks, Mark, for being on the program again. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hope by Reverend Janice Hope Gorman. And until next time, remember that true greatness consists in being great in the little things. Be kind, be gentle, be loving, be true.